Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense. Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today on this Wednesday morning. We have a special treat for everybody today. We're kind of waiting in the in the in the background here to bring on our dear friends Brian and Kathy, our friends that we met in Honduras uh, a while back ago. It's been, gosh, I guess six months ago at least. And Brian and Kathy have become an integral part of very dear friends here at New Wine Ministries and have recently moved from the great island of Hawaii, or Kauai actually, and have come to the continental United States in Tennessee, and they're with us here today to share their thoughts and their transition. So we're going to say good morning, God bless you, Brian and Kathy, great to see you both again. How are you? Amen. Talk to us a little bit about it. Let's make sure everything's working good. Yeah, I think so. I think we're doing good. Um, I, I think we've got a good uh, microphone here. So uh, without further ado, you got the howdy going on and the y'all is going to be coming and all kinds of great stuff. Have you guys ever been uh, to Tennessee before? Okay, just drove through. Interesting. And so uh, you're settled in, you're hooked up, you have a little place to stay. Tell us about your experience. You said some supernatural things were going on. What's happening? Well, everything here seems to be 
house, get everything all hooked up, open bank accounts, buy a car, uh, buy clothes, because when you wear Hawaii, doesn't really work in the winter in Tennessee. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we just had to do everything. We did everything in about a week. We were completely done. So even the people here are kind of freaking out, like, what? You're, you're done? Yeah. And I start work today, so this afternoon. And, and uh, what exactly do you do, Brian? You're working with the youth, correct? Yeah, I'm a counselor teacher in a house. Um, Pulse at home, where we're at, has, we have about 30 kids right now, uh, boys and girls, and I'll be in a boys' house with about 10 boys and just uh, discipling and counseling them. Wow, and are they at risk youth? Uh, who are the, are the what, what age group are they? They're, I think the youngest they've ever had is 10 and they go up to 18. Wow. They try to, place, they try to uh, put them out for adoption, placements, foster homes, and things like that. Put families back together where they can. Wow. Yes, yeah, so they're at risk youth. They, they come from some are, you know, autistic, and some are using drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. and some are sex offenders, and mm-hmm. some have been abused. And, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of all the above. Yeah, so definitely high, high at risk kids. So you're kind of a a papa to them then, kind of a father uh, mentor type individual in their lives. They'll never forget you. They'll never forget the impact. And may the Holy Spirit continue to give you the wisdom uh, for each one of their lives. Wow. And so uh, while Brian is getting ready to go to work doing this, Kathy, what have you been doing? Straightening up everything? Ah.
And you know what was happening? This is great. I love this. This is kind of exactly where we want to go today. First Corinthians 14, what you all were doing, uh, just a few verses, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue or a tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Wow. So what you have been doing, you guys were just speaking the mysteries of God. There's got to come incredible fruit out of that. That was not, you know, time wasted. So speaking the mysteries of God, unveil, Lord God, the mysteries that were given. Bring interpretation. Amen. Wow. Brian, you must have been just charged up, man, because I know some of those tongues must have been for you. I hope so, yeah, yeah, because I'm, I'm going in, you know, I go in with a beginner's mind, you know, and we learned when we were in mission school to go low and slow and honor people, and that's what mm-hmm. we start with, you know, so I have all this experience, and like, people are just, like, looking forward to, like, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, and I'm just, like, I feel like I'm just, like, a brand new kid just going in for the very first time, you know, that's and great. I, I just have to completely trust God, you know, and hope that he does something through me, because... Most of the things, if not all of the things, to get done, to get accomplished, get, get accomplished in spite of me, not because of me. So, Amen. And, uh, but this prayer house, you know, that uh, this thing that's going on here, which is bigger than just me working in a, you know, in, in, in a children's home, which has been here for over a hundred years, by the way. But um, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 there's a movement here, and it started with this lady that Kathy was with yesterday. God told her to come here from Florida and with her husband, with her husband and they just prayed. You know, they just walked the streets and prayed. Wow. You know, and this, this building where they're, tr- they're trying to eventually want to turn it into a 24-hour prayer house of prayer is an old bank that they rent for a dollar a year. <laughs> so it, it, it's like God's just opening doors all over the place. You wow. know, but it's, but it's really, I, I feel like, you know, we have all the stuff that's going on, and and uh, you know, when we were in the wilderness in Honduras, it was like I I talked about the fact that we could really hear God's voice clearly, you know, and we're we're separate from the world. Then we went to Hawaii, and it's like the world was just it, it just on us, you know, and it was like it was harder to hear hear God, you know, and here it feels like we've walked into like a, a dome, a bubble, or something, you know, where where it's like one of those places of protection where it's just like the spirit of God is moving and it's harder to get a, get a handle on what's going on outside there in the rest of the world. It's like the exact opposite, you know. Well, that's but beautiful. I think, those, I think it's one of the places like what you've got there in northwest, western uh, Arkansas, you know. It's a, it's a designated place during these times here, a designated place of sanctuary in the spirit. Things might get hard in the material, but, you know, God will preserve us in the spirit. Wow, his grace is there. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Um, so this is your new journey. You're now here. You're settling in. You, your first day of wake, uh, work today, uh, you're going to continue praying, Kathy, and doing whatever God's going to you know, unfold before you. And so you're here. Now, since we talked last, uh, all of a sudden we're in this whole Ukrainian-Russian uh, thing that's going on. And quite frankly, I think there's a lot of confusion as to what exactly is going on. And it seems it's that way with everything today. Uh, anything that's presented, there's another side of the story. There's a conspiracy somewhere. 
you know, from your perception, I know you've been busy doing what you're doing, but you do love to study and you are, you know, engaged in prophetic things. So what are you all hearing? There's that you all again. What are you all hearing uh, about this? Because I don't think that war was going on the last time we talked. I think it had just, it had just started. Okay. and everything else, and I don't, I think, I think we probably know less of the truth now, because there's so much noise, and, and, and you know, it's like, there's a old uh, computer science term, giggo, garbage in, garbage out, you know, and I think that's a lot of what we're dealing with when we try to look at the news, and, uh, but it's, it's interesting that, that um, you know, I, God really showed me that we were in, I was in training for the last week, just learning all the ropes about how everything works here, you know, and and, um, you know, sometimes the boys get into fights like you might expect, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it's the whole thing is like when, you, when you're working with adolescents and you break up a fight, you know, you're going to acknowledge what the cause of the fight was, but then you're not going to let that justify the reason for the fight. You know, you people beating each other up, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll listen to the, we'll, we'll, we'll come to a solution once we realize that you're fighting over a belt or whatever, literally. They were using the example of a boy fighting over a belt. And, um, and, and really, though, the problem is, is like, it's not right for human beings to be beating each other up. It's not right for human beings to be killing each other. It doesn't matter what the reason is, you know. And, 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 and as Christians, I see it. It seems like I see a lot of people, not necessarily Christians, but I see a lot of people taking sides. You know, I hear, you know, like Donald Trump was saying that that uh, Putin was smart, and I don't think that he meant that he uh, he, he was justifying what Putin was doing, but he was just saying that. Smart to do it to choose the way he did it. Most people are taking the the Ukrainian side of things, you know, and and really it's like we don't we don't know, you know. I mean, there's all the talk about the fact that there seems like it's pretty well confirmed just based on what they're talking about in Congress and whatnot about that there's like 25 or 30 bioweapons labs in the Ukraine, which might be the reason that Putin went after them, you know. And I, I just remember my my father who worked for the Department of the Navy. He was an engineer working at uh, designing nuclear submarines, he always used to say that the Russians needed warm water ports, you know, so maybe that's why why Putin is doing it. But who knows? Hmm. The fact of the matter is, is human beings are killing each other and justifying killing each other, you know, and, and sometimes you have, it's even Christians who are taking a side, and there is no side. There's there's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of Satan, and there's no way to be righteous in, in you know, trying to make things right in Satan's kingdom. So human beings have been killing each other since the fall of Adam, right? And it certainly is a prophetic sign. I mean, at least there'll be wars and rumors of wars, just another thing to look at. Um, All right. So what is it then that people should be doing right now? Should we be looking at this as a sign of the times and saying, okay, we'll just keep getting our hearts prepared and worked out. Don't take a side. Pray for Life. We have a friend of ours that uh, is leaving, I think, today or tomorrow. Uh, he's flying into Poland. He's taking the lead on a medical tour. He's going to be there, and they're going to be uh, on the border of Poland and Ukraine going, you know, doing their, you know, missions in and out. And uh, I thought, give me a seat. Is there an extra seat on the plane? And, ah, you got to be certified and all that. And I think it's an opportunity always, right, because in the midst of every crisis, there's an opportunity to do something for the Lord. And uh, that's what you're doing in Tennessee right now. There's a crisis in, in, among the youth. So you're there making your lives available 
And rather than sitting down, just observing, you know, eating the popcorn, watching, it's like, Father, how do we get engaged in this? What can we do, uh, you know, to gather more fruit and get more rewards for the day that we're going to be held accountable and give an account for our lives and uh, the day when rewards are passed out? What can we do right now? And so um, whether it's in Tennessee or the Ukraine, there's a crisis all over the world. And I guess what we should be doing is asking God, how can we get involved in some way? What is our part? Yeah, I, I think it just, it always begins with intimacy with God. It's seek him, seek him for him, and not, not for our mission, for, you know, not for our purpose, not for our identity, but, but seek him for himself, right? Seek to abide in Jesus. And when we do abide in him, then he, he will direct our paths, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 8. It's like, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And it's, it's, really, it's really that simple. And I think the tendency, maybe it's just as Westerners, maybe it's as being as men that we tend to, we tend to look first for like, okay, what do I do? What do I, give me something to do. Give me a mission. Give me what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and it's really, that's not the way to do it. The way it is to pursue intimacy with him. Now, we're, if we're laying that as the foundation of our lives, and that's our primary focus, well, then we just naturally flow into the places where he wants us to go. And then in my natural mind, I'd be like, I got to go to Ukraine, you know, <laughs> That's just like the, the natural man would be saying, go to Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which people are called to go to Ukraine. But at, at this particular time, I'm not. I'm not called to Ukraine. And the only reason why I know that is because of my relationship with him, and he's called me here. And it makes perfect sense. It didn't make sense when, we, when he told us to come here. We, just, we were just obedient. And, and as you make the decision to be obedient, then God fills in the blanks. He fills in the picture. And... and it's becoming more clear now that we're here, now that we've actually taken the step of obedience as to why he's bringing us here. And I'm sure as time goes on, all I know as time goes on, it'll become more clear. You know, and if he has something, if he, if he wanted us to pick up and, and go to Ukraine tomorrow, we would do it. No questions mm-hmm. asked. Mm-hmm. But it's got to begin. We can't, we can't go jumping into situations trying to do things for God and then pursue him in the midst of that. It's like, that's, you know, that's when you end up like the seven sons of Sceva, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, again, um, I, I think a lot of people are thirsty right now. They're thirsty. They're hungering. They want to know, okay? And, 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 you know, maybe there's a blackout in some areas where people, I don't want to know anything. But I think there's a, a major a hunger and a thirst among the saints right now. They want to know what's going on. They want to know, uh, you know, what does this mean? Give me an interpretation to what I'm witnessing right now. Uh, where do you guys see it? I know you're engaged. You have your part. You're doing your part. You're in Tennessee. You've made the move. You're going to be engaged in ministry and helping people's lives. Young people that, if time goes on, will never forget you. They will never forget the impact that you're going to have in their lives. And so, <clears throat> and yet people out there, you know, are we looking at Bible prophecy here with, you know, the Russia being the bear, uh, the, you know, the, the ribs in his mouth? Are we talking about the leopard, the bear, the lion, the red dragon? We have all these uh, symbols in Bible prophecy. Do you perceive what's happening right now somehow? Are you detecting any prophetic in any of this? Yeah, I think so. 
so. I mean, it's if we look at it, if the, the Ezekiel 38, 39 war, you mm-hmm. know, it's God, you know, and God geographically is, is it includes Russia, you know, and so it's like I've always wondered, you know, when, well, Russia's becoming an increasingly Christian nation, and and how could how could Russia be God, you know, and and there's a school of thought that says, well, it's not really really Russia, but it's more more um, you know where the Antichrist is going to emerge out of the um, out of uh, southern uh, northern Syria, southern Turkey, north uh, southern Iraq, that area in Iran, you know, and that was going to form the kingdom, and it was going to be a kind of a coalition, which it may be, um, but but uh, it's interesting that that Russia. While all this stuff is going on in Ukraine, there's a lot of things going on with Iran. Mm-hmm. And Iran has been bringing um, weapons into Damascus, Syria. And now you're looking at the, um, the new nuclear deal, the revised nuclear deal that they're trying to do in spite of all this going on. And, and um, all that's going to do is assure that, um, that Iran has nuclear weapons. And I read today that they have uh, something like um, 3,000, I want to say, um, intercontinental ballistic missiles, hmm. some of which have the capacity to hit the United States. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for the setup for, for what's got to come, what Bible prophecy says has to come. And what I see as a possibility, I'm not making a prophetic declaration. I'm just looking at things through the lens of Scripture and saying, well, it says in, in Isaiah 17, 1, that the city of Damascus is destroyed. That's the one city that has been populated, the longest populated city that is the longest surviving city that has never been attacked, but it's never been destroyed. Now, if if Iran were to bring nuclear weapons or Israel were to even believe that Iran were, were going to bring nuclear weapons into Damascus, Syria, I don't think they would hesitate to do whatever it took to just wipe that city off the face of the earth. If Israel goes and destroys Damascus, Syria, that would bring, that would probably unify the whole entire Arab coalition over there. You know, they're, they're kind of fighting with each other. Saudi Arabia is against Iran and, and kind of siding with Israel more now. And you've got all these different things shuffling the United Arab Arabs and uh, Qatar. They're sort of kind of like partnering with Israel. But if Israel were to, were to nuke, nuke Damascus and destroy Damascus, I think that would unify them together against Israel. And interestingly, when you look at the whole um, uh, Jewish-Palestinian thing going on in Israel, uh, Russia takes the side of the Palestinians. And that's something I wasn't really aware of, you know? So it's like, even though Putin is supposedly a Christian and, and you know, you've got all these Christians uh, in, in, in Russia, it doesn't mean the same thing. They're um, kind of supersessionists, I think. Meaning they don't really acknowledge uh, Israel as... as um, God's plan for the end times. You know, that's interesting you say that, because I'm going to open up a a can of worms here any second now. Uh, I'm going to pick your brain on something we've been talking about. But what you just said is very interesting, because we uh, tapped into a little bit of something called the Khazarian Mafia. And we did an entire study on the Khazarians and who they were and how, like Mystery Babylon of Revelation 17, um, she, she's such a mystery because she changes locations and identities. And uh, some people are actually suggesting, and I'm not saying it's so far-fetched now because the, the, the devil deceives the whole world. And even the elect of God can be deceived. And so, you know, we have to be teachable so that we can learn the truth. 
but we all believe what basically we've been told, and so we, we minister into that. But in these days, uh, this Kazarian Mafia thing, they're actually saying through John Hopkins University and through DNA testing that there's more Hebrew blood in the Palestinians than in the people that are called Israel today. And that Bibi Netanyahu is the operational head of the Khazarian Mafia. And as mystery, as, as the Khazars left that area of the world and they, they kind of intertwined themselves into the international bankers and the Rothschilds and all of this interbreeding that was taking place, all of a sudden now they came into the Middle East, they took that land and they called themselves Jews, but are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. I want to pick your brain on that. What do you know about the Khazarian Mafia? And we're not preaching this as gospel truth, but it is a very interesting history right now. It is interesting, and, and you know, Revelation talks about those who call themselves Jews and are not, but are the, of the synagogue of Satan. Um, you know, but on the other hand, you also had the, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which was a very convincing book that the Nazis used as justification for, um, for persecuting um, and, and trying to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. And, and I think, I can't say for certain, but I mean, I know that Jewish people tend to think about their bloodline as being what qualifies them as being Jews. But honestly, what is it that really qualifies a person as being a Jew? And what really qualifies a person as being a Christian? I'm not a Christian because I was born into a Christian family and, and discipled, you know, throughout my childhood or anything like that. I wasn't. But, but for those who are, um, it's, you're a Christian when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You know? And so what makes a Jew a Jew, right? Is it a, is it a bloodline? Because I think, I think what, the question about um, the relationship between the body of Christ and, and, and the Jews is pretty much covered in Romans chapter 11, I think it is, yeah? And so it's, um, we, are, um, we are intertwined together in the end. And, and there's no, you know, they're the originals. <laughs> yeah. We're grafted in, you know. And so I think it's a, it's a real slippery slope. And whenever we start talking about things like the Khazarian Mafia, it may very well be true, you know. And, but I don't think it's something that should cloud our vision the way we perceive the Jewish people. And there are people, you know, we were in Israel. We, we went to, um, to uh, what was it? We were in Palestine in different places, you know, and we met a lot of that. And the interesting thing was our experience of being in, in Israel was that the Palestinians were nicer to us than <laughs> the Jewish people. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and I mean, this is just the state of the affairs that we're in today. And so we do not look at, you know, we don't want to look at any, any man after the flesh, you know. That's like it says in Galatians, you know, we don't look at it. It's It's... Ultimately, in the end, it's because because we've submitted our lives to Jesus Christ, because we surrendered to Him and said, "Lord, You be the Lord of my life. You You be the boss. You direct my life and everything in it." You know, now because of that, we're Abraham's seed, and the original Abraham's seed were the Jewish people. So I, I think there's a lot of mystery still wrapped up into how this all plays out. But I think it's it's important not to get caught up in these different things because this thing about the Khazarian Mafia will ultimately be used as justification to persecute the Jews. And I guess I guess when I look at at, at at the end of Matthew chapter 25, right, where it talks about where Jesus talked about the sheep and the goats. And a lot of people tend to see the, the sheep and the goats.
out to individual people, but he said they're nations, you know, and they'll divide the nations. And on one side will be the goats, and one side will be the sheep. And the ones that are the goats are the ones who didn't give them a drink of water. Those are the ones who persecuted the least of his brothers. Now, I'm not certain about this, but when I read that, I, I think I always read Matthew 24, 25 from the perspective of Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, speaking to Jewish men about their destiny, you know. And so when I think about who would be who would be the least of Jesus' brothers at that time, the least of his brothers would have been the Jewish people that crucified him, the Jewish people that turned against him. And those would be the least of his brothers. And so as we move into the last day, I suspect, I don't want to be declaring anything, but I suspect Thank you, it is down to how we treat how the Jewish people are treated because there's going to be a lot of temptation to turn our backs on them to see the whole entire world is going to be against Israel in the end. So, so, yeah, so it it gets down to, and and this is the argument that's going on. And again, I think it's a healthy debate. I was reading in Acts chapter 15 uh, this morning, that debate, they debated and disputed about things. And, and then how Paul and Barnabas, they got to a sharp contention. They split their ways, but God used it. And I think this is a, uh, a moment of really understanding because um, I, I was looking at Romans 2, 28, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So a lot of people are talking about, you know, the heavenly Jerusalem, the born again spirit, those who are new creatures in Christ Jesus the true Israel, and the Israel that now is in the flesh is in bondage with her children. And so when we're calling Israel and we're saying they are Jews, the big question about the Khazarians is that they take the identity of Jews, and but they're really not Jews. And then when the John Hopkins University studies the DNA of those Jewish people in Israel, they don't have nearly the Hebrew blood that, and this is scientific, I mean, this is DNA, they don't have the physical blood of a Hebrew, but the Palestinians do. So the question is, have they, what we call Israel, and we've got into Zionism, and we're standing with the Jews and Israel, uh, is that something that perhaps we've been duped in? And it, it wouldn't justify in killing Jews, it would, if there was a war against Israel, what they call Israel, it would be against those who Say they are Jews, but are not. And is Putin actually uh, understanding? Uh, we were told that the Bolshevik Revolution was the sworn vengeance of the Khazarians from 1250 AD when the Russians and the Iranians, the Persians, uh, attacked them and, and destroyed their place because they were such evil people. They swore vengeance. The Bolshevik Revolution was an outbreak of that vengeance. And um, that Putin knows something about what's going on in the Ukraine. So it is, it's interesting. And, you know, when it comes to our salvation, for me personally, for you, my salvation is sealed in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to continue to work it out and do what he tells me to do. But uh, we are wanting to understand Bible prophecy. Who is this mystery Babylon? One of the greatest mysteries in the world would be an identity of somebody that's calling themselves a Jewish nation. And in fact, they're not. And the people around them who really have Hebrew blood are the ones that have been persecuted. So wouldn't that be kind of a shifty little 
March of 2011, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is a Jewish man who is an atheist, 
And if you if you come out against George Soros, you will be accused of anti-Semitism. That's the first thing that they'll come at you for because he's a Jewish man. But he's not. He's not. He's not. He's so he's not Jewish by blood. He's Jewish by his association. He's Jewish by blood, apparently. He's not. He's not Jewish in spirit. That's for sure, because he he doesn't believe that God even exists. Because the Khazarians that you're describing him, if you if you thought one would look like him, the Khazarians were given that ultimatum: you have to take one of the Abrahamic covenants, Islam, Christianity, or Judaism. They took on Judaism and they began to practice Torah. And so they had the outward identity of being Jewish, and they were considered Jewish, but they really weren't Jewish. This is the synagogue of Satan. So I'd like to know if George Soros is Jewish by blood or by association with a heritage that took on that Jewishness. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we got to figure that out. I think it's the latter. I'm pretty sure that he's a Jew by name only. But we need to figure that out. Fascinating. I got. I want to shift something for a moment. I want to. I want to share something um, that the Holy Spirit just convinced me to do this. Um, I had a dream this morning, and I, I think it's back, Kathy, to your praying. When you guys go pray, you need to really pray about this. Um, I had a dream, and before I share the dream, I just want to remind about a year and a half or two years ago. It was in August. I think this August will be two years ago. Uh, I had a very, very similar dream. And it was a dream that I woke up from, and I wanted to know the end, so I went back to sleep, and I dreamt again. And sure enough, it was two shootings. Uh, the, when the first dream, there was a shooting. It was on the West Coast. The second one was on the East Coast. And sure enough, the very next day, that happened in El Paso, Texas, and uh, Dayton, Ohio. I had a dream last night that I was with, and, and Brian I, and Kathy, I, I, I think this is just kind of a symbolic, but there was too much reality to it and very colorful I was sitting at a table with some people, and I noticed there was a man sitting across on a big a bench, and um, not too many people were sitting by him because he was obviously a really huge guy. Um, but somewhere in the dream, I sat down. I wanted to minister Jesus to them. I wanted to talk about Christ. I was thinking in my dream what to say to this man. To, and so I sat down, and he looked at me, and he had a very pleasant face. And um, all I know is that everybody at the bench at that moment, before anything was said, was in a car. Everybody was going somewhere. They had left a phone behind, and I'm trying to make contact with these people, so I'm looking at the phone, and I'm seeing all these telephone numbers, and I'm like, wow, I don't know what number it is, but there kept coming up a black horse symbol, something you would see on a chessboard, perhaps, and there was a symbol of a black horse by this particular number, and I thought, well, that's that's got to be theirs, so I hit on the black horse, and I'm transported, and I'm standing at first in a parking lot of a massive store, but it wasn't a Walmart. It was a, it was a different kind of a grocery store. There were, it was packed out and people were sitting on the ground. There was like bewilderment. And I remember walking past them and I walked in the store and people were looking at me rather strange. And I walk in the store and there's blood. I looked down the aisleway. So there was a mass shooting at a grocery store and there was bewilderment. So I woke up and I was shaken again uh, this morning. And I was considering, Lord, this is, a gro- this is a grocery store dream of a mass shooting. I saw the blood was there. People were bewildered. It was wiped out. But there was a black horse. And I know that the black horse of Revelation chapter 6 talks about 
imbalanced economics and famine, which is a food shortage and kind of what they're projecting right now. So I don't know if what I saw this morning in my dream was a literal, uh, you know, we may, so I'm up at three in the morning looking at grocery store shootings to see if anything happened. And I saw Boulder, Colorado, Tennessee at the Kroger where there had been mass shootings here in the last couple of years. And, um, and it really shook me. So are, are we looking at a famine, a food shortage? Are we moving into a season of crises uh, when we look at things literally in the world today? Um, because we know terrorism exists. What are your thoughts about that? Any discernment whatsoever? We sense that famine is, is what we've all sense coming. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're actually we're preparing for it. I mean, we're not buying huge amounts of emergency food and setting ourselves up as targets for people to come and take it. But, you know, Kathy's, Kathy was an organic gardener. And so we're looking at like sprouting and buying and eating the way we did in Honduras, you know, buying beans and rice in bulk. And, and we know how to, we know how to live on very little and, and not be sick of it, you know, and so that we don't stop eating it. You know, so we ate for years, we ate nothing but beans and rice and eggs three meals a day, maybe once a week, we'd have a chicken dinner. So we're, we're used to living that way and we're comfortable living that way. And so we're, we're kind of like trying to settle in and continue to live that way here. Yeah. The prices are going up so fast and, and I'm just like, we got to get some stuff for them, you know, we would buy 1500 pounds of beans. And, but the thing in Honduras, we would give three quarters of it away and we'd eat, you know, by the time we finished the bag, we'd eaten like a quarter of it maybe. But it was to hand out to people that needed it. So we're getting, uh, we ordered some bulk grains and uh, a steel meal, and we're going to, you know. Vacuum seal it. Yeah, and we'll just keep mm-hmm. rotating that. It's not a lot, but um, we're kind of on a budget. And the other thing is we ordered a bunch of uh, sprouting seeds. I went through and got, like, the protein, like, the um, beans and chickpeas and lentils that you sprout and and since it's cold weather here, this is all new to me. You know, I've always grown in 12 months a year. So now with sprouts, mm-hmm. you can grow them inside. Mm-hmm. And there's also the microgreens that you can grow in trays. You know, a, a gal here, God told her to go um, and grow microgreens. And um, so she's doing that. And um, I'm going to learn how to do that. But I'm also, I've got the jars and I'm just going to be sprouting for the greens and the nutrition and protein and stuff like that. So we've been researching like, how can we get a balanced diet with these types of um, foods, um, non-perishables? You've been researching. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So. so we feel that totally. That Brian just said the other day, salmon is the next one that's coming. So I think, like, I think you pegged it. Yeah. That's not for us. I think, you know, blood people will die with the famine. You know, and that's what you were saying, Brian, just a couple days ago. Like, a lot of people are going to start dying with the people. I said, People are dying right now. He says, well, you haven't seen them in the United States dying. Yeah, and this was my point, or my thought to you, you're talking about this, because I think this is very genuine now. This is organic. This isn't speculation about the Khazarian Mafia. Um, This is very real, and I fear that there are millions, tens, if not hundreds of millions of people in this country, and I think in that dream, so many people were in there and they were bewildered. Either they couldn't afford it or people were trying to steal it. People are not prepared 
for this kind of an issue in the United States of America, the breadbasket of the world, right? Or supposedly. And so the skill that you have to be able to do this, to get in front of this, to get your beans, your rice, your eggs, some chickens or whatever you guys are going to be doing is imperative. Uh, the price of gasoline, I guess, is soaring in different parts and it's not coming down. So these are very real biblical events that are happening before our eyes. And um, what else? What else are we doing to prepare? What else um, do you see? I mean. Well, one thing I'd also like to add with that, you know, is that we're going to do our little bit. And like, like when um, the boy said, um, when Jesus said. Uh, four and five thousand. Yeah, yeah four thousand fish in the loaves. Like he said, go get, you know, he had a little bit to go with. And so I'm depending on God, relying on God to multiply it because I'm not going to sit here and get fat and eat and have myself content, you know, we're going to have to have people come and, and be able to distribute it. And it's going to be God who's going to have to give the increase, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to put that in because it's not out of faith. No. We've seen, yeah. We've seen, we've seen the miraculous replication of food twice. We saw it once in Honduras and we saw it once in, in, in Mozambique. So we know God can do it, you know, and we know God can, can provide for us just the way he provided for the Israelites in the desert during the exodus. The widow with the oil. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have the supernatural, and I agree with that. Um, and yet, that supernatural will be upon a people that uh, are are connected to what God is doing right now. Um, I think there are a lot of folks that are just kind of, you know, they don't ever believe that they're going to have to go through something like this. And you know, maybe God's grace and mercy and love will be there, but then again, why wouldn't God's grace, mercy, and love be for the whole world? And yet people are going to starve to death, and people are going to lose everything overnight. And people, you know, I, I suspect, I suspect, and I think you do too, that things are probably getting ready. The next, the next chapter in the book, the next phase of the judgment um, is ready to unleash. You know, I think we're getting a lot of that um, you know, that download in our spirit that we're coming to this moment of a pause in the pangs is over and the major pangs, uh, a more sophisticated level of pangs are coming. And we're seeing it already in the, in the gas prices, the food prices, the quality of food. Uh, and so hopefully we will know how to grow our gardens and jar our food and have beans and rice and eggs uh, to eat, you know, five, six times a week and, and make it not boring, like you just said. Uh, very real, though, isn't it? I mean, how do you how do you get people to understand that in this? Well, you're dealing with normalcy bias and the fact that people just don't have a grid for this kind of thing. As you've been on the mission field, it's really nothing in the United that would lead someone to even be able to conceptualize what that what that might look. You know, you have National Geographic's and Discovery Channels, and then had to give people, you know, ideas every once in a while, the picture, you know, and uh, uh, I, I don't know how, apart from the spirit of God imparting it to people, I don't know how you how I do that, because, you know, when we do this, it's, it's um, there's a fine line between complacency and hypervigilance, you know, the hypervigilance are the people that, are, you know, building bunkers and, and, you know, getting as much ammunition as they can war and fight the zombie apocalypse when it comes, you know, and then, then you're just saying, you know what, I, 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 I'm just going to take care of me. I don't worry about it. There's a very fine line where God exists in between those two, you know, and that's where we need to try to be. Yeah. Be, yeah, a little less 
there, but all right, there's there's something going on in your um, in, in computer. You guys are freezing up and, and kind of blinking out, but I think the message is getting through. I uh, just want to say Gabriel Smith is on the chat room saying this is a message I've been, or Josh Shells says this is a message I've been hearing. We have to be prepared. Gabriel says the church needs to create an alternate economy, and that's something Patricia and I have talked about for years, that we need to create a bartering system. We need to find a way to, you know, to do business, a community within a community, a system of commerce, a system of trade, a system of bartering um, inside of this grand system, because when it falls, we need to be already knowing how to do this rather than trying to scrape up for answers when the, when the calamity hits. So what would be a good way to begin to do that? I know within our ecclesia, you know, people do this all the time. We're sharing our eggs and our produce, and, you know, we're helping other people along the way. Um, but in, in general, how does the church actually do this? I was thinking about this even before I was a Christian, that there should be a barter system. We, we had so many, um, when I was a farmer, we just had so much vegetables. We were so vegetable rich that, okay, there's a fisherman down the street. He doesn't have vegetables. So he trade. So I think the way to start maybe is like, Everybody signed up on a paper what their um, service is or what their product is and put that out there at the beginning. Get the skills going, yeah. Get the skills going. All right, so this is uh, a Revelation. And for anybody that's wondering, you know, what are you guys talking about? You know, this symbol in the dream of a black horse. Uh, this is what we find in Revelation chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. When he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. He that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see, you hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, some people wonder, how in the heck are you getting famine and economic imbalance? Uh, you know, through that verse. But the reality is, uh, personally, I believe that these four horses have already left the gate long ago. And because of Zechariah chapter 10, I believe that these four horses will continue to run until the very end, until they're confounded by the rider on the white horse in Revelation 19. I think the Bible backs that up. So I'm not saying this is just beginning. I think this is happening all over the world. And I think it's coming to the shores of America right now. And the idea of of the balance is, it's out of whack. There's something wrong. The price of food, uh, the, the quality of food, uh, and economics. So this is connected to a lot of Bible teachers, right, Brian? That uh, this is economic. This is uh, having to do with all these resources. Something's out of whack. Something's wrong. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah. I think. Um, and and uh, I think again, it, it, it's it's the answers come from intimacy with God. We really need to be individually and ultimately really hearing from God about specific what he wants us to do. And I have God is showing us that it's famine, you know, not to freak out, not to lose it. We trust him, you know, but it's like, Lord, what do we do? And I, and I think he's leading us in this path. And, and, and um, you know, here, in, um, you know, Irish ministries, Heidi and Roland Baker, the, it tends to be very heavy millennial um, heavy in terms of the people that are in it, you know, and and millennials are a unique generation in that they can be 
very, very spirit-filled, but they don't have the historical experience to actually see kind of like the darkness that's coming from And the pastor that we have here is the most, he's only 30 years old. He's got the most mature, anointed 30-year-old that I've ever encountered ever. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what, what he's doing here. And and he, he's not an expert. He's just sort of like, he, on, the, on the outside, he's just kind of fumbling through things, you know, he gets up and he preaches. It's like, it's just pure Holy Spirit coming through and the wisdom is amazing. Wow. But he said to me something, he said to me something when, when he picked up at the airport and he said, you know, we, people are talking about how things are getting worse and everything else like that. He's actually, he was raised in Brazil, moved to Tennessee eight years ago. So, <laughs> so he's a foreign missionary, literally. But, um, but he said to me that, you know, people, people are always talking about how things are getting worse. And it's like, do you realize that the average life expectancy used to be forced and that, that people are living longer now and everything. And I, I didn't say much. I'm just, I just listened, you know, cause I've got to look for the, the opportunity to speak into it, but it's, it's, what we've seen in our lifetime, those of us who are 50 and above, it's we've seen things the way they were when things were really good. We've seen the high, and, and, and then we've seen things just completely unravel and get worse and worse and worse. And yes, they're still better than maybe they were back in the 1860s, but the direction that we're moving in now, it's going to look a lot more like the 1860s during the Civil War, you know? This is in. Yeah, this is very interesting. If I may interject just a quick thought here. Um, When we first met in Honduras uh, and we began our conversation with each other, we were talking about end time events and and things were going on in Honduras. And it was just like a crystal clarity. Uh, When you guys went to Hawaii, we were talking about events and we were like, man, this is very clear. Now, all of a sudden you come to America, you're in Tennessee and you're getting a little bit different of a perspective of, you know, things are better now than they've ever been. Well, people are living longer, and it's, you know, the, the gloom and doom idea. And that's the battle going on in America right now within the church. And it's, it's very confusing because on the one side we're hearing, here's Bible prophecy, you know, get ready, the end is coming. On the other side, the best days of America are at hand. So you're, you got, you're brought kind of right into that already. And how, how are you measuring that? Because it's easy to kind of shift over and see the glory of God, but how do you balance it and put it in perspective where the truth is actually guiding everything? I see, like, I see that, um, you know, God's role in it. I try to focus on what is our Lord's role in this, because he's either he's caused it to happen or he's allowing it to happen, to play out. And so what are you doing, Lord? And, um, and this morning as we were reading the headlines, it was just like, I'm even way more confused. I just like threw down my iPad. I was like, I, I'm not, you know what? I, there's nothing, everything is so, there's nothing you can believe. Everything right. is like you're talking about that Kazarian mafia, you know, and it's like, it's just getting worse and worse. And we're going to get more confused. And that the devil is the author of confusion. And I think when I was in that prayer yesterday for six hours, it was just like, there was no, in my spirit, as I was praying, like, I prayed in tongues for certain things before, but I took the film out of the camera. I just let it rip. And there was nothing about, it was nothing about, this is personal for me, about like the condition of the world. It wasn't, you know, a couple times we prayed for certain people, but it was, it was about just 
sitting in the presence of God and and um, he needed some intercessions, I think, or he just wanted us to see, you know, he wasn't sharing specific things to pray for. You know, it was just our spirits were just we just let go and yeah. um, I think the point is my point is that you know, everybody has a role. You're a watchman, Brian's a watchman, and he's really putting on my heart keep my eyes on him because I think there's less yeah, as an intercessor and um, I don't think mm-hmm. there's, I don't know how many watchmen there are in the body of Christ percentage-wise. You know, we all should be watchmen, really. You know, we should be watching. But um, I just think that uh, he, he's going to do something and I, he's going he's gonna to need us soldiers ready to, are we going to be ready? Are, is our attention going to be watching every move of Putin or are we going to be watching every move of God in the midst of it? Hallelujah. Quick interjection. Our whole message last weekend was about a microburst of God's glory, uh, getting ready to come upon the ecclesia uh, in small groups at first. There's going to be an outpouring of God's spirit. We do believe that. You're making an excellent point. Um, and yet it's to carry the balance, right? I mean, we're not to be ignorant, but we're not to be caught up into it. Uh, what God is doing is more fascinating than what's going on in the world because what's going on in the world has always been. It's just intensifying now, and it's global all over the world at the same time. makes it unique. Um, so a lot of unique things going on, and we've got to stay the course. And what I love about what you're saying is that when we, if every believer, you know, would enter into a prayer closet and pray in tongues for an hour, I mean, it would probably shift things all over the world uh, maybe we'd have a bride coming out of the closet saying, uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Or at least having more peace. <laughs> <You know? laughs> in our own lives, yeah, yeah. Just the headlines and yeah. something, you know, like our God's in control. He is. Yeah. He is. My God. Well, listen, guys, go ahead, Brian, please. I just, you know, kind of along the lines of what you're saying, it, it's, you know, how do we, how do you deal with this, this duality here <laughs> within the body of Christ? And, and I think the role of a watchman really is to pay attention to what's going on in the world. It's like we read scripture, we know what, what's going to happen, at least we think we do, based on, on our interpretation and, and, and Holy Spirit revelation. And we're looking, we're looking at what's going on in the world and looking for opportunities to say, hey, look at this. What about this? Did you know the Bible says this? And do you know this is happening right now? Be able to wake people up because people are waking up, you know. And, and one of the things that we have here in this church is an over 40s group. And we haven't, we haven't been with them yet. But uh, one of the guys came to me at church uh, this past Sunday, and he actually almost died of COVID. He and his wife were on ventilators, and they were getting ready to pull the plug on them. And the entire church prayed, and they were miraculously healed and delivered. Which, by the way, there's a lot of that going on here, right here, right now. People getting healed of cancer, people staging cancer, getting healed. It's it's crazy. And um, but you know, he came to me, he said, you know, he's like, he's about, I don't know, he's probably around my age, maybe a little bit older. He said, you know, I've never really paid attention to eschatology, you know, but the Lord is really like leading me to start studying it, you know, and that gave me an opportunity to like really speak into it about Matthew 24 and Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the things that we talk about here all the time, you know, and, um, and he was just like, okay, you know, and I just told him, start with Matthew 24. Yeah. Don't go into Thessalonians, don't try to do Revelations, 
Don't do any of that. Start with Matthew 24 and understand it's a very bullet-pointed, you know, description. But, but yeah, God is God is prompting people to look into things more and more and more, you know. And I think we're going to see more people coming around as time goes on. But uh, but yeah, you've got that normalcy bias and the and the and the generational uh, where you have generation, just one single generation in, in an area. You've got you tend to have just that perception that, that's unique to that generation. And so while, you know, boomers and Gen Xers, we're just looking at everything going like, wow, man, you've got to be blind not to see what's going on. And, but then you have millennials and Gen Z who are just, they've been in selfie mode, you know, uh, on, on iPhones and their life is on their phone and social media and, and their life is based on, on acceptance and virtue signaling and going along with a consensus so that they can be a part of something. And so they very much are looking at, and they're all into positivity. Everything's, everything's very, very positive. And there's some very, very positive things about walking with God, but there's some very hard things coming too, you know? So, and that's really, really hard to speak into that generation about what's coming. The suffering. Yeah, the suffering. Yeah, yeah the suffering. So that's so well said. That is so in- informative. Um, guys, I just got a call. I've got to get running here. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to have to cut this short for right now. Um, and we'll pick it up again hopefully next week. We want to see the progress of how things are going in your lives. Brian and Kathy, thank you for joining me on the air today. Is there a final word you'd like to say to the folks that are out there listening today? Draw close to God. You know, before you go trying to figure out what the devil's doing and how to fight the devil and everything else like that, draw close to him and he's and the devil will flee. It's got to begin with that. It's got to begin. If, you're, if your life has not been rooted in real solid intimacy with God, do it now before it's too late, and everything else will flow from that. Abide in him, and, and, and apart from him, you can do nothing, and, and in him, you can do everything that he wants to do through you. Amen. That's it. All right. We're good? Good to see you guys. Good to see you, too. God bless you guys on your journey. We love you. We've missed you, and it's good to see you. God bless. Amen. Have a good day at work, Brian. All right. That's it for us today. We've got to run, folks. We'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you until we meet again. Shalom. Unfortunately, no. I will not be available until...